Welcome to the Airmen Helping Airmen podcast. I'm your host, Khalid Wright, CEO, Air Force Aid Society. Join me as we chat with extraordinary guests, share stories, and learn how amazing people are making a difference in the lives of so many Air Force and Space Force families. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and once again, welcome to the Airmen Helping Airmen podcast. I'm your CEO, Khalid Wright from the Air Force Aid Society, and today we have a very special guest with us who I'd like to introduce, and I'm going to spend just a second telling you a little bit about her background because I think it's really important to understand the impact that uh, she is having on military spouses. So today, our guest is Mrs. Jennifer Pasquale. Now, Jennifer is the founder and director of programming. She's also a certified Gallup Clifton Strengths coach for Pride and Grit. Now, Pride and Grit supports seasoned military spouses by providing conversation, resources, and tools to support their mental health, personal development journey. She's also a strengths-based coach for individuals and teams, which is her specialty. You can find her on all of the social media sites to include her own website, www.prideandgrit.com, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and we will make sure that you have all the links to all of her social accounts so that you can see the great work that she's been doing. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. So first, let me just say thank you for, like I said, the amazing work that you're doing in this space, helping spouses adjust to military life. Now, you mentioned that you marry into military life as what you described as having no concept of what it meant. So what at the time that you did marry a military member, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I had met somebody that I wanted to build a life with, and that was the thing that was chief and what mattered. What I didn't probably think through is all sort of the implications. I think like a lot of people... I had this sort of romanticized version of military life, traveling and living different places. And I remember one of the early questions with my then boyfriend was, could you ever be stationed overseas? That sounds so fun. I would love to do that. So I think I kind of went in with this much more romanticized view and hadn't really thought about all the kind of implications. I was very independent. We had had a career for almost, I guess, eight years or so at that point. So I was fine on my own. I was used to being on my own. And so him being gone all the time and working long hours... That didn't, I didn't think about what that would mean when we were parents or what that would mean when we had done it again and again and again. So it was a little rosy in the beginning, I would say, but very quickly got a crash course in all things military life. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, rosy in the beginning, you got the quick crash course. So what was kind of the key to adjusting? How did you and your spouse adjust this newfound life for you, for both of you? Yeah, no, for us, you know, not unlike a lot of people, we kind of got thrown into the deep end. So. I had moved to where he was located and he very quickly then had an assignment and went to, I think he was at West Point for the summer with cadets. And so there was like an instant separation. I literally moved in and high-fived him and he was out the door and then he came back and then he was part of the election surge in, I think that was 05. And so then he was gone for four months. And once again, I was there by myself in this new town and trying to kind of figure out how I fit in as a then girlfriend of a service member. And so it was a little rocky trying to figure out what that looked like because I didn't have a sort of a concept for what it would feel like to have the person I cared about being across the world in harm's way. 
I really had not given that the thought that I probably needed to, but it's probably good I didn't because I probably wouldn't have, I might not have have, uh, have gone in, you know, head first, but I did. And, you know, 17 years later together, it all worked out. Yeah, outstanding, outstanding. I'm interested in, and this is probably something that you work with your clients with today, but did you have a support system? Did you have a community of people that helped you make the transition back then? You know, back then, I don't know that, I mean, kind of, I guess I would say, if I think back to kind of that first round, maybe not the first time we went through a separation and a deployment. I think by the second, I had started to figure that out a little bit better and understand that there was this whole community. I mean, for us, part of the reason to move me down and be a part of it as not being married yet was really just so that I could kind of understand what it would feel like and start to integrate with the community and, and start to build that structure. But again, I was so independent. I was working 50 hours a week myself. And so I didn't necessarily have the time and the space to bring all of that into my life in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I think by the second round of deployments and separations, then I had started to have more of a network. You know, we had dinners together and people that I could lean on to some extent, but still very independent. Yeah. You mentioned that you were kind of testing it out, right? So before you, if I understand you correctly, before you guys got married, you were spend some time together as boyfriend and girlfriend and just to kind of see how things went. Was that common amongst the people you knew back then? And is it common now? I don't know that I could speak to whether it's common now, but there were friends of his who had people they were dating that even if they didn't live with them, were there regularly and were, you know, attending functions and things like that to just kind of understand what it was all about. But I don't know. If I think about most of the people around us, they were probably married, yeah. but I can think of one friend who was had someone they were dating that was living with them as well. So I think it, they're probably a mixture, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So two questions. One, back then, so as you first got into transitioning into being a military spouse, what did you find most challenging and what did you find most rewarding about this new experience? Hmm. I think the challenging parts for me were kind of going back to those expectations, right? I don't think I really understood the kind of the heaviness of being with a service member, understanding what it would feel like that that very first time during the elections when he was gone and things would happen on the news. Like I hadn't learned not to watch the news. I hadn't learned the difference between a casualty and a fatality. So I would hear casualty and I assumed as a, you know, essentially civilian, right? That that, that meant something different. And so the weight that that put on me emotionally to just kind of navigate that space somewhat in a vacuum was a lot harder than I anticipated. So the early emotions, just because we did get thrown into a deployment right away, were hard for sure. And then I think there was also a hardship, I think, around leaving my life. So because we married later, because I had had time to, I had a house, I had a job, I had a path, I had a plan for a corner office. And I gave all that up largely to move to at the time Fayetteville, which, you know, by most accounts is like, what in the world? <laughs> so I think there was the, the whole career aspect was challenging as we, and it got more challenging, I think, as the years went on. Initially, I was able to keep all of that, right? Because he's gone. I continued to work, but it had to change. It had to, once we had kids, it had to pivot and I had to be the sole, sort of the sole parent the sole consistent source. And so some of those changes were things that I just hadn't really thought about and were, were difficult for me to process because I'd had such a strong identity. I think it's part of what drew him to me because he knew I could take care of myself. 
but it's also what made that kind of a rub because I wanted my path too. And so kind of figuring out what that was going to look for, like look like for the two of us was definitely a process. I think the best part about military life, and I don't know if I really noticed it then, but I think I, to some extent, I started to get a glimpse of it was really around the community. And I think over the course of our our years, I've kind of ebbed and flowed through using that community. And I think in the early years, once I figured out it existed and I figured out there were people that would want to get together and they would want to kind of be able to, to talk about what they're having a hard time with, that was valuable to have someone who understood it because my family didn't necessarily understand it. They could help and be kind of supportive. But I think that emotional weight is something that you just can't appreciate until you're in it. Mm-hmm. And so having people who understood what that felt like when there's a doorbell that rings and you're not expecting it to, and it's just a delivery, but there's that moment where you're, you just tense up and you wonder because you heard something on the news. Like that's a really hard thing to explain to someone who's not part of this life and for them to really get it. So I think I appreciated the people I didn't have to explain that to that understood it instantly. Yeah, yeah. You said a couple of things that really caught my attention. One, uh, you used the term pivot. That's because you were well into your career and you had to move to Fayetteville. I lived in Fayetteville twice, so I I understand exactly (laughs) what you mean. But So how important for the, the spouses out there that may be listening, how important is the ability to be able to pivot or adapt to new situations? And then you also mentioned the importance of community. So could you talk a little bit about that pivot or that ability to adapt as well as to integrate yourself into a new community so that you can have support? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the pitting is is sort of constant, right? Like we're always doing that every time. Like we just finished what was my 10th move um, connected to my husband. And 10 moves is a lot. And that's a lot of reinvention. And it's a lot of finding a new community. And it's a lot of kind of putting yourself out there. I'm naturally an introvert. So those walking into a room where I don't know anyone is not my thing. I've learned over the years to do it. And so I think part of that pivot is really just learning where to stretch and how to stretch in ways that help you grow and grow in ways that are going to support this lifestyle. Career pivots are going to happen. Parenting pivots are going to happen. Location pivots, like they're everywhere, right? It's, it is just what we do. And I think I could fight that and I could be resistant to that. And, and I'll be honest, every time we move, I kind of go through this little kind of lull or valley And it takes me three or four months to kind of pull myself out of it. And I go, okay, like I'm here. I'm going to figure this out. Like it's going to be fine. But I go through that. And I've learned over time to give myself the space to do that Mm. and not feel like that was an indication that I was failing at doing this life well. And that was why I actually do this life well. I sort of give myself that time and space to be kind of sad about leaving the last place and sad about having to start over in a new place. And so I think there's a lot of just recognizing what you need and being able to lean into those things is one of the important parts of adapting well, I think, at least for me. And I think, you know, you mentioned the community and that is the piece that probably is the thread that's most important. I don't always seek it as quickly in each place. Every place has a little different vibe and a little different feel. And there's definitely places where I felt so ingrained and so much like that was my family. And then places we've been where I kind of felt like I stayed on the outside, like when we were in doing like schoolhouse years, like I didn't engage and I didn't attend things and I didn't, I wasn't part of that community. I was just in turning in and investing instead in our family during those years. And that's okay too. So I think it's about figuring out where do you need to pick up community? 
where do you want to put it down for a minute so that you can just do what you need to do for you and having the ability to kind of go through those different options and know what's best for you and for your family. Yeah. You mentioned that you were an introvert. Any advice for other introverts when it comes to getting to a new place and adapting to the community and becoming a part of the family there? Yeah, I mean, I think it is one, I think you have to know, know your sort of your limits, but be willing to stretch because I have rarely been, I've rarely stretched myself by going to an event or going to something where I didn't know anybody and I was super uncomfortable and regretted that time. That isn't usually how that plays out. So I think it's just being willing to say, I don't have to plan out all of it, but I'm just going to go to this one thing and I'm going to try to talk to one person who I feel like I can connect with. I think you just have to take that first step. But I think you also have to have a ton of grace for yourself in terms of what you need. And if if you need it, go get it. And if you don't need it, don't feel like you have to just because the people around you, that's how they survive. And that's how they thrive is with all these people that, that they're in community with. I think we all need community in our own way, but I think sometimes we all define it a little bit differently. And so just know how you define it. And don't, you know, apologize for that, right? Get what you need and then find the people that that you're most comfortable with. Oh, I think that's excellent advice. You talked about uh, giving yourself space, which kind of also means giving yourself grace when it comes to understanding you and your personality. So speaking of that, you're also a coach, but your career as a coach and as a, your experience as a military spouse led you to discover the pride and grit. Tell us about pride and grit. What is it and how do you support military spouse? Yeah, Pride and Grit is like my third child. (laughs) It's really this sort of passion project that came a few years ago. And it came during a period where I was struggling. My husband was in kind of a senior position and and we were going through a, a hardship. I had had a miscarriage and I was really just having a hard time figuring out how to be someone who needed support because I was in a position to help support other people. And so that... For me, there was this sort of disconnect between how do I support other people, which is the role that I'm in, and then how do I also ask for support? So I didn't. And so I largely healed and moved through that whole experience in a vacuum. And then what I started to realize is there were other people around me doing the same thing. They were sort of of the same age. They had been around the block a while. They felt like they should kind of have it all figured out, but they didn't. Neither did I. And they felt like they couldn't sort of raise their hand and say, this is hard. And I'm having a hard time. I love my service member. I don't dislike this life, but I am really struggling to keep my identity, to keep some sort of peace about the circumstances that we're in on the ninth move or the the 12th new location, whatever the case might be. And so that's kind of where Pride and Grit came from is I realized that I wasn't the only person that, that wasn't necessarily talking about these things that were hard. And sometimes it was because we felt like there wasn't space for that. As someone who'd been around the block for a long time and been through some really hard years, how could we not know how to access the resources? How could we not know how to get the support we needed, but we didn't? And so it just, it kind of came, became this labor love and it's kind of evolved into something that is really, I think, important in the seasoned spouse space in particular, Mm -hmm. helping folks that have, have done this for a while and are tired but still love it. It's there. You, those two things can coexist. And I think I thought they couldn't, you know, I thought that what I was hearing and seeing was that they couldn't be in the same space, but they can. And so that's part of what we're trying to do is help folks regain their identities, 
kind of lean into themselves a little bit more and create the space for them to realize, oh, someone else is having those same challenges I'm having and I can lean on them because they've been there. But I didn't know that and I hadn't seen them before. I hadn't met them before. And so we're trying to bring those folks together. Yeah, I think that's a pretty unique perspective. There seems to be a few military and and to be honest, most of the programs that we worked for military spouses were centered around new spouses, Mm -hmm. frankly. We, Mm -hmm. just hearing you speak and reading a little bit about you, that's the first time I really, of course, I I know what it means that a seasoned spouse, but that's the first time that I've really kind of heard or seen an organization that really has a niche effort with seasoned spouses. What about, what can a, a spouse, a seasoned spouse, someone that you just described, no, so what can they expect when they engage with Pride and Grit? What's, how does it work? Well, I mean, I think my goal is that they feel seen and they feel heard and they recognize that there are people that both can and want to support them through whatever season they're in. So whether they absolutely love everything about moving and everything about military life, that's okay. We'd like, there's space for you. If you are just really tired and you are struggling with sort of that reality. Because I think sometimes what I really try to do is talk about the things that nobody wants to talk about. Because when we don't talk about the things that we know are true, but people don't want to say, that is where heaviness comes from, right? That is where mental health becomes a challenge. And so I feel like this is a space where people are safe. Like when when we had a, a retreat last year, a personal development retreat, and one of my favorite kind of comments and and survey results from that was people who said, I felt like one, I wasn't the oldest person in the room for the first time. I felt like there were other people who understood what does it feel like to be an empty nester and be heading into transition? That's a really scary combination of things. What does that feel like? Some people said they, you know, they felt safe. They felt like they could be open and vulnerable and that that would be met with open arms and not with judgment and not with anything other than support, which is really what I'm trying to give everyone. Yeah, this is just so enlightening. I just never thought about, I recall at times talking to senior spouses and really almost putting pressure on them saying, hey, you all need to make sure that you're taking care of these young spouses. You all need to make sure that you're talking to them. Not really realizing that some of our more seasoned and uh, more experienced spouses have their own set of difficulties that they have to face with. So again, thank you so much for doing that, that type of work. Now, how does your coaching, tell me about your the Clifton strengths-based coaching. So how does that work and how does it play into Pride and Grit? Yeah, so it was not like part of the original plan. That's something that's happened recently because I frankly got exposed to it through another military spouse mm-hmm. and fell just in love with it as a tool. I have my backgrounds in training and development. That's what I did for almost 20 years. So you know, I was a corporate trainer and I love kind of helping people kind of have those light bulb moments when they're going through any, any curriculum. And so once I found strengths and started to apply it to my own life, it became this really transformational thing. It felt like the thing that I'd been missing for such a long time to really be able to answer the question of who am I, not as a military spouse or a wife or a mother, but at my core, fundamentally, who am I? If someone asked me that question, I don't really think I could have answered it even just a few years ago in a way that felt authentic and honest and really like powerful in the sense of really owning who I am. And so what Strengths has done for me is provide that. It's provided language for how I show up in the world, how I show up at my best. What does it look like if I'm showing up not at my best? 
and really just giving me a perspective on that that I didn't have. So once I understood that for myself, it was easy to make the leap that I have to figure out how to bring this into the Pride and Grit community, particularly because we do have a lot of folks in our community that are pre-transition. They might be three years or five years out, but that's the time, in our opinion, for spouses to really start doing their own transition because often what we'll do is we'll set, you know, a service member and their spouse loose on the world at the same time. And that's a lot to shoulder as a, like, as a couple to both kind of have this identity crisis at the same time of who do I want to be outside of this military bubble? And so our, our thought is if we can help people do that, if we can help the spouse do that early and really ground them in what they want their identity to be both now and in the future then that should make the transition easier for that service member because now they're both not having to deal with the, the heaviness of that at the same time. So I don't know if that answers your question, but the, like I'm a huge fan of the impact that strengths can have on kind of answering this identity piece that I think is really prevalent, particularly in the season pocket. It answers my question. I've used uh, strengths for my own personal development and better understanding myself and for several of the teams that, that I've been a part of. So I believe in it and I know it's, it's making a difference. Uh, you talked about helping spouses prepare for transition a little bit earlier, maybe three to five years out from when the military member is, is transitioning. Have you found any challenges? That's maybe around the time that uh, kids are in high school or about to graduate from high school or maybe even in college and depending, I've met uh, more senior military members and families that have small children that had children, mm-hmm. children late. Mm-hmm. What are some of the challenges that you've seen with spouses transitioning, especially in that three to five year range, like you recommend? Yeah, I mean, a couple of the things that we've talked about in like the Pride and Grit community is, I think, like, the, obviously, the identity is one. I think the other thing that we've talked that we've been talking about, and this was the last retreat that we hosted. This was one of our key topics: is looking at the impact that all these years of service have had on your marriage. And so, when you look at that transition, now you sort of you don't have the military bubble, if you will, and so it's really just the two of you. And so, making sure that you feel like that's in a good place, because for a lot of service members, transition can be a really just a difficult time as they kind of figure out what they want to sort of do next. And so if the marriage is in a good place, then that's that's fantastic and it'll make that process that much easier. If it's not, because sometimes this cumulative impact of service has a cumulative impact on a marriage as well, making sure you invest now in, if you're not communicating well, invest now in starting to make that better. Like that's something we talked about in the retreat a lot. Because there's no downside to that, right? There's no downside to being more connected, closer, better communicators before you go into transition. I think the other thing is really owning your experience. So it's really knowing, being able to say, and this goes back to, I think, that kind of honest communication is being able to say, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is my preferences for maybe where we live or what the next path looks like or when we're going to retire. And so therefore which or both of us is going to be working between now and then, like really being able to have all those honest conversations, but owning what you need as the spouse as part of that. Because now, like, not that you were sort of second fiddle, but we know that ultimately the mission is coming first. And so now it doesn't, there isn't anything coming first. Essentially you're first, right? Or the kids are first, but the family can be first if that's what you choose. And so I think having those conversations about 
what are we going to prioritize now that we get to pick are really important for couples to have and for spouses to own for themselves. Yeah. So since you've had your business, Pride and Grit, you know, what, what have you seen? What, in your opinion, is the impact that you've had on military families? I hope the impact is some of the things we talked about. I hope that they come and feel like this is their story. We try to tell stories through some of our articles of how people have really managed to thrive and sort of in spite of some challenges, what is what is thriving looked like for them after 15 years? And so I hope folks that are in a space like that can come and see themselves and can feel like our stories are their stories. And I hope they can come and find the tools and the support to grow in whatever way it is they're wanting to grow. And sometimes I think people come and don't even know that yet, right? They haven't quite figured out what it is they, how they want to grow. They just know that they feel a little stuck. They feel maybe a little lost sometimes. And so part of what I want us to help is just, you know, we can't pave the whole path for them, right? Like that everybody has to do their own work, Mm -hmm. but we can help them lay like the first couple of bricks together. So then they will feel like they're armed to go on and, and finish the rest of that path. Yeah. And what about, so I always ask whenever I encounter another coach, Who's coaching the coach, right? So not you don't have to tell me personally, but how are you keeping yourself? Because the reality is you're still a seasoned military spouse. So Mm -hmm. as you do all of this work for the community, what are some of the things that you do to pour into your own cup, to put your mask on first, to make sure that you have the energy and the passion to continue doing this, this type of work? I think it's funny for me because I feel like I am the most sort of oxygenated I've ever been, right? And I think part of the reason is because I found something that I really love Mm. and I'm really good at it and I enjoy it. And that does so much to kind of fill my cup that I never even really knew I needed and never really appreciated the impact that would have. So it's made things a lot easier because I'm not, I feel like I am, I am now leaning into my potential. And I think for a lot of my military spouse years, I didn't really feel like I was leaning into my potential. I knew I was capable of more. But I didn't always feel like there was like the space for that, right? Like there wasn't the the ability, at least I didn't feel like it for me to to grow my career or or even really just really my career wise, but to grow that in the way that I wanted. I think it's also, you know, our kids are older. And so it's a little bit, it's not easy by any stretch to be a solo parent, but it is easier (laughs) when they can, you know, feed themselves and, you know, they can, I don't have to micromanage them to quite the same extent. I'm more of a, you know, a mentor to them and a parent, but it's a little different. So I feel like we're, I'm kind of in a really good season, but I, you know, we did recently move to the DC area. And so what I have forced myself to do back to the introvert Mm -hmm. is going to events. There's neighborhood coffees and I'm showing up and I'm not in the first one. I didn't know anybody in the second one. I know one person and, and I'm just trying to build some community there because I know it's good for me. So I'm kind of doing it even though I went to a thing this weekend and I didn't know a single soul. And I was like, I did that. Like, that's awesome. You know, I'd 10 years ago, I don't know that I would be as comfortable doing it, but this time I felt like I could go and I could have great conversations and it would be time well spent. And it was. So I think it's just, I think I'm good right now. Yeah. I mean, being fueled and energized by something that you're passionate about, I think is an amazing way to look at it and to exist in this space. And in terms of what you're doing since you've moved here, going to the coffees and stuff, I simply see that as leading by example, right? You're exhibiting the behavior you expect from your clients and the other people that you help out with pride and grit. 
I want to talk for just a second about the term grit. So, you know, I've, I've studied Angela Duckworth, who wrote mm-hmm. the book Grit, Sheryl yeah. Sandberg and Option yeah. B. And they all talk about the importance of grit and perseverance. There are studies that show uh, you mentioned that your husband at one point was at West Point, that cadets at all the service academies, the most successful cadets who go on to be military officers are not the ones with the highest GPA or test scores, but the ones who are the grittiest. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean to you? And, and how do we keep grit from becoming just suck it up, <laughs> just deal with it, which is yeah. how some people, when they think about grit and perseverance and overcoming things. So what, what does it mean to you? I think for me, it is it is about continuing to peel back layers. So it is not stopping at the first layer of whatever it is you're trying to do, whether that's personal discovery, whether that's figuring out how to be a parent, you know, whatever it is, it is just continuing to peel back layers. And even if what you peel back doesn't work, continue to go back and peel again. I think it's just continuing to come back to a process of learning so that you can get better at whatever it is you're trying to do, not just in military life, but just in, in life in general. Yeah. So yeah, it was a funny, or not, maybe not funny, but when I was trying to kind of come up with a name, <laughs> I loved the word pride because it really spoke to kind of the military ethos, but I also really latched on to grit because I thought, yep, that's us. Like if you have to be a little gritty and you have to have that capability of digging in when things are hard. And maybe that means you dig in with your community by your side. Like it doesn't mean you dig in by yourself, but we have to be able to do that to get through some of these aspects of military life that for some people are challenging. And I meet people all the time that are like, I love everything about it. I'm like, that's outstanding, (laughs) but that's not everybody's story. And so making, helping people really see that, that gritty side has a lot of value in helping you thrive. Yeah. That is amazing. I just can't, again, say enough about the work that, that you're doing. What's keeping you up at night these days? What are you thinking about and worried about the most? I think the stuff that keeps me up at night is that I want to do all the things. <laughs> like, I think the challenge of finding something that you're really excited about is I want to bring it to everybody as fast as possible, right? And so I dare to say I'm stretched a little thin, but it's in a good way. We're getting ready to launch our next retreat. And so that's an exciting thing. And I want it to hit for people and I want it to be what they need. And so I worry about that. One of my strengths is responsibility, which for folks who know StrengthsFinder know, like if you have high responsibility, you feel this massive amount of kind of internal pressure to do right by a situation, by people. And so my like responsibility is in high gear right now. But yeah, so that's probably what keeps me up at night is just... I want this to land for people and I want it to be what they need. And so we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm also interested in, have you broken through to, so men, I'm going to pick on us for a minute. Typically we just like the tough stuff out. We, one of my new, newest favorite podcasts is a podcast called Man Enough. And it talks a lot about men's reluctance to ask for help, to get mental health, to go to the doctor, to express feelings and emotions and, Mm -hmm. and whatnot. Are there many uh, male military spouses that take advantage of the services that you offer? Have you been able to break through to that demographic? No, to be honest, no. I think it's what I'd love to be able to understand is sort of the data behind, because a lot of the older spouses that are male and seasoned, at least a lot of the ones I know are actually dual military. And so that's a very different experience in military life. If you, you know, if you're dual military and male than being a female. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. You know, we, I've tried, and I imagine if I was a, a military spouse as a male, I would really wouldn't be no different than I am now, stubborn and reluctant to <laughs> express feelings and emotions, ask for help and, and whatnot. I think what is really important is, and what I have talked to some male spouses about, is the fact that I think there can be an assumption that they're not struggling with like identity as an example, but they Mm do. Yeah. You know, I had talked to one male spouse who said, I struggle with the same thing. My conversation around how that impacts me might be a little bit different than maybe mine. But he said, I'm still struggling with how do I maintain my identity? How do I maintain my career? He said, those struggles are not really all that dissimilar. But to your point, I just, I don't know what would sort of bring them into the audience to be part of that dialogue when they're, they may be the the one man among a hundred women, you know, what does that look like? And and is that comfortable for them? But I would hope at least the articles and the resources and some of the other things that we're, that we are offering, that they might be able to see themselves in those and see their way to using some of those services. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, all of us can break through to, like I said, that demographic, because I think Male men, I won't just necessarily say spouses, but men, we really need resources like yours. We need coaching like you provide to help us work through some of the same types of of challenges as your female seasoned military spouses. Jen, this has been amazing. Really, I just can't thank you enough for the type of work that you've been doing. And as a fellow coach, I love that you've combined two things that you love the training and development and the strength-based coaching that that really, really, I think, helped people become the best version of themselves. So like I said, just thank you. Keep Stay gritty. Keep doing what you're doing. And I'm going to turn it over to you for any last words or thoughts that you might have for our audience today. No, I appreciate the opportunity just to talk about it. I think my parting advice would be just raise your hand because no matter what it is you need, no matter what season you're in, no matter where you are, somebody's been there. And sometimes the hardest part is just raising your hand. The rest of it will come and the support will come. If for anything, we are a group of incredibly overall and incredibly supportive bunch who gets it. And so you just have to raise your hand and that's the hard part, but try and keep trying because it, it in the end, it will help and it will allow you to grow and thrive in ways that maybe you don't see right now. Yeah. Thanks again for that. Teammates, if you are a seasoned military spouse, male or female, please, please, please take the opportunity to look Jen up, to engage with pride and grit, and maybe even engage in the strengths-based coaching that she does, because I just have this feeling that she will have a profound impact on your life on your career, on the career of the service member that you support. So again, Jen, I just want to say thank you. Teammates, this has been another session of the Airman Helping Airman podcast. I am Khalif, your CEO from Air Force A Society. Today we had with us Mrs. Jen Pasquale, who is the founder and director of programming for Pride and Grit. She's also a strengths-based coach, uh, Clifton Gallup strengths-based coach, as we talked about. And you can find her on all the social media links that you will see here in the podcast. So again, Jen, thank you so much. And I wish you the best. And always, always reach out and let us know if we can do anything for you here at Air Force Aid Society. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Airmen Helping Airmen. Brought to you by the Air Force Aid Society. To find out 
more about how we make a difference, visit AFAS.org. And then be sure to search for Airman Helping in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of everyone at the Air Force Aid Society, thanks for listening and join us on social media.